Please stand. Number inspiration to look into your faces. You're vibrant with life. Brother Phil has asked that we read the 37th chapter of Ezekiel for an opening this morning. While you're turning there to this account of the Valley of Dry Bones, consider the magnitude of what it is that you're holding in your hands. The Word of God, we're going to read about in this somewhat curious account at the beginning, what the Word of God is capable of doing. It says, God tells Ezekiel to prophesy or speak under inspiration from him, and it gives life to dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel a rhetorical question. God does not need the information that Ezekiel will answer with. He already knows the answer. 
And he says, can these bones live? We know who God is. We know the power of what his word can do. Has God ever asked you a question? He knows everything. Think like Saul, why are you persecuting me? Or what are you doing here, Elijah? Adam, where are you? God ever ask you a question like that? He don't need to know the answer. He already knows, do you? Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live." So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. And bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And David my servant shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd, they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. They shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them. It is amazing to me that God, with his word, 
can make dry, dead bones live, he asks us to participate or prophesy in this case with him in that, but the power is his. So we can participate in that. And now we're going to pray another way we can participate with him. Bill, I call on you. Are there any requests that we can pray for or praise God about for you? If there's not, let's go to prayer, Bill. Father God, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pause again on a beautiful morning and just come before you, hearts overflowing with thanksgiving and praise for you. For all that you've done for us, your love. Number 391. Number 391. We'll simply do the first two verses. Verses 1 and 2. We praise thee, O God, for the Son.
sometimes in the middle of the night. I wake up and I wonder why God called me. You ever do that? Millions of people on this earth. If you're here today, I'm going to suggest that God is calling and has called you. The truth of the matter is, if I would look at my family, yeah, there's things we'd say, our family did and our family this and that. The truth of the matter is, there's skeletons in the closet I just soon weren't ever seen. God that made us and died for us and paid our sins and offers us an avenue into eternal life calls us and his promise is that he'd be with us today. Are we privileged or what? What, what, what could be greater than together in the name of, of a God like that? Good morning. We're glad you're all here this morning. It really is a privilege to worship together. We know we have some visitors, we have some regular irregulars, and we have regulars, and we have the whole thing here, but God's promised to be with us, so hallelujah. Today, let's be one in the Lord. I'm, I want to start in, in 2 Timothy. i got one verse. We're going to spend our time in, in Ezekiel as our brother um, said, but there is, there's a verse in Timothy, 2 Timothy, third chapter, and if you want to turn there, it's very familiar with you, I'm sure it's the 16th verse. Maybe I'll back up and read the 15th. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop here. I don't know about you, but I have trouble when I get into Leviticus and Numbers and all those areas that deal with the law, especially Leviticus. And I, I've looked at those and I, and I read through them in my, my daily readings and, and you know, my yearly readings. We get there from time to time. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, forgive me, Lord, but I get bored. I don't understand. And it's about the law, and I don't live under the law. I live under Jesus Christ and His mercy. And yet what I just read to you, if you'll notice, it says that all Scripture, that's old and new, all Scripture, or that's the 16th verse, let's read that, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. There's four things there. It's profitable for teaching. Do you know that the entire Word of God is, has a profit if we will look into it? It will change our lives. Number two, for reproof. It will tell us where we are wrong. Number three, for correction. It'll tell us what to do about it. And number four, for instruction in righteousness, we will become more like Him. And so if we're reading Leviticus, there's a lesson there. But this morning, we're reading in a prophetic, a very prophetic series of Ezekiel. And some of you may say, well... Why don't, we, why don't we just preach about Jesus? That's really how my salvation is. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear about Jesus. I do too. I'm 75 years old and the message of salvation is not dimmed one bit. And every time I hear it, it thrills my soul. But you know what? It says that all scripture is inspired. All scripture will bless me. It will instruct me. So when we read the prophetic messages, and we're going to read one this morning, even though we may not totally understand it, there is a special blessing that is there, like no other place. So let's just go this morning. Let's turn to Ezekiel. Actually, let's go to Ezekiel 36. I'm going to start there. I want to thank uh, Brother Kidman for his opening. It was right on the money, as usual. I guess maybe I need to, to lay a little bit of background here. There are four great prophetic end times events, if I understand Scripture, and you know, I don't claim to be a guru on this. I'm 
I'll listen to anyone that has insights into God's word. But it seems to me like there are four great events that's going to happen in the end times. One of them is Ezekiel's war, which is Ezekiel 38 and 39. We won't get there today, maybe another day. The next one would be um, the Great Tribulation, the seven years, the time of Jacob's trouble is what the scripture calls it. There's going to be seven years that the devil is going to attempt to overthrow everything that is Christ and God-centered, including Israel and his people. The third great end-time event is a thousand-year reign when Jesus will rule and reign out of Jerusalem. And the way I see that, and this is just me, but the way I see that is there's a thousand years at the end, which is the Sabbath for this earth. It is a time of peace and blessing, and it is coming. And a lot of people would tell you, because that is a thousand years, and that part is very clear in Revelation, that probably because we are somewhere around year 6,000 now, it would stand to reason that maybe we're getting very, very close to that millennial reign. The fourth great end time event is Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, and really it's not much of a battle, not when the Lord steps in with his breath and wipes them out. But those four events. So today, what I want to do, by the grace of God, the Spirit be with us, I want to introduce what happens before these four great events happen. A lot of people and a lot of commentarians and a lot of Bible scholars would tell you we are ready to enter the end times. And if, that true, if that's true, there are some things that seem to happen in Ezekiel 36 and 37. And that's just where we're going to be this morning. Now, I, I mentioned... I mentioned that when we look into the Word of God, it is to uh, help us live today. So there's, there's two things going to happen as we pass through these scriptures this morning. One of them is we're going to look at the prophecy of Israel that is, is being and will be fulfilled. And it's God's Word. And when we see that He has promised, and He wrote this 2,600 years ago, and we're going to see that if it's true, if God's Word is true, and these things start to take place, and we can see them today. We know that His Word is true. And furthermore, we know that everything else He promised is going to happen also. But there's a second parallel, an application, and that is for everyday living. And so as we pass through this, we wanted to look at both of those together, a parallel, if you will, as the prophetic future and how you and I are to apply them for the glory of God. <clears throat> Um, let's begin reading Ezekiel 36, son of man, uh, 17th verse. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, which is the heathen nations. And they were dispersed throughout the countries. According to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen countries, whither they went, they profaned my holy name, where they said to them, These are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. I want to stop here. We know historically it's true. I don't know how many nations there are major uh, Jewish settlements throughout the world. It's amazing where they are, though. They're in China, they're in Russia, certainly the United States. They're all over the world, the Jewish people. And that is because the nation of Israel no longer exists because God passed judgment on them. That's what he says. 
I passed judgment on you, and I scattered you out to the whole world. All we got to do, and I should have looked it up, to pull out where all the Jewish settlements all around the world, because it will absolutely confirm what we just read. They're all over. And they are not a nation. They are not a people. And yet they are. And they don't have any cohesiveness, really, and yet... Somehow, after these hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years in some cases, and they've been scattered, and they still have a pull to be Jewish. You know, you think about that. There are people here, we got, I got ancestors that are German. Some of you are Irish. There's all kinds of, of ancestors. I don't feel a pull to go back to Germany. Not at all. That's not true if you're a Jew. There is a pull that's there, and God says, I will put it in you. So let's read on. 23rd verse. And I will sanctify my great name, which is profaned among the heathen nations, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. This is an amazing thing. So the Jewish people have gone out. You know what? They're not admired. They're not particularly appreciated. They've been a scourge, it seems like, over much of the globe in many, many places. Even when they're a blessing, they're still a scourge. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that they are still a people. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of the countries and will bring you into your own land. I want to stop there. Have you ever noticed that every time there's a world conflict, like right now, uh, Russia marches into Ukraine, you know what happens? The Ukrainian Jewish people begin to move out of Ukraine. A major portion of them go to Israel. God, we just read it to you, and we're going to read it several more times this morning. God says, I am going to draw you back into your own land. Every time there is trouble and a conflict, the Jewish people major chunks of them moved to Israel. I've read the numbers, I don't remember what they are, how many thousand people are moving into Israel every single month. They are coming back. You and I are literally seeing this portion of this scripture fulfilled. It is right in front of our face. For I will take you from uh, see, I will take you from among the heathen nations, gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. Notice this 26th verse. We'll come back to it later. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people and I will be your God. To stop the 28th verse there. If you will notice he's drawing them back but they're coming back in unbelief. Literally. Israel is not a Christian nation. Handful, a few, but as a nation, No. So they're coming back in unbelief. But this says that when I call you back into your land, you're going to turn to me. Have we seen that? We have not. What we're going to read this morning is we are in the midst of a fulfillment of God's word right in the middle. He is drawing them back just like he said he would. But we haven't seen the complete fulfillment of his promise yet. It's coming. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. 29th verse, and I will also save you from all your uncleannesses, and I will call you for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field, and ye shall no more approach of famine among the heathen nations. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings which were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. That 31st verse is a beautiful lesson of what happens when repentance happens in the heart. Israel has not repented. 32nd verse. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord. It shall be known unto you. Be ashamed, confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also 
cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be builded. We're seeing that happen. And the desolate land shall be tilled whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden and the waste and the desolate and the ruined cities have become fenced and are inhabited. I want to stop here. There's all kinds of lessons we could talk about with what's happened agriculturally and technologically and medically. And Israel is in militarily, intelligence. Israel is a forefront leader. You might put that picture up, Jeff. Um, Israel is a forefront leader for all of these things. I'm going to tell you a story. I read it the other day and I, I tried to find it again. I haven't been able to. But it's just an example of what God's talking about here. There's a, there was a, a husband and wife couple, and they were agricultural scientists. They are, they're right there now. And the woman got to studying some ancient history and realized that there was a rare shrub that was found in the deserts of Israel, Palestine area, that the old armies and things, they craved it because they realized it had special healing powers. And so just out of curiosity, she set about to find this plant, and she found it. And she harvested this plant, and then she exposed it to a whole series of cancer cells, and killed them all. And she was so excited, maybe we're on the edge here, we can cure cancer, or at least some types of it. So she brought that plant into her greenhouse, and I saw a picture, and it was just lush, beautiful, beautiful. This greenhouse with this, whatever this plant was, I don't even know the name of it. And she couldn't hardly wait to harvest it. She was, man, wonder what we can do with this. So she harvested this beautiful greenhouse plant and exposed it to the cancer. You know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. This is her conclusion. Her conclusion is, until it had been in the desert where it lacked water, where it was too hot, where it was stressed daily just to survive, it could not resist. It did not have what it took to resist the evil. Wow. I'll let you make the application. There are so many things coming out of Israel. God is blessing that land, and we are able to see it. 36th verse, then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. And I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. I want to stop there just a minute. There are, I'm not sure, I think there's at least 16 I wills in this chapter. And every one of them, it is the Lord speaking. Do you know why Israel goes back into the land? Do you know why it began, that little tiny place begins to flourish? It's because God said, I will. It is the Lord's word. Hallelujah. Let's have a look at this. Thank you, Jeff. If you look at the picture, and I don't know if you can tell, I don't have a pointer, but you can see Egypt, so it'd be right up to the right-hand side, and then Syria is another green, right? Okay, go to Israel. That's where I want to go. Thank you. You realize how close we've got to get to even see Israel? If we looked at the plant of the whole earth as he had up earlier, back it off, Jeff, and show the whole thing. Where's the, where's the Lord promised to bless? It's not Washington, D.C., it's not Buenos Aires, it's not Paris, it's not London, it's not Moscow. Baghdad, all those giant places, Russia and China. It's a little old place you can't even hardly see. Just, just a little dot on the map. God said, I will. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to everyone. Ever feel small? That's good. We get to thinking we're too big, we're in trouble. What a blessing it is that our God is not limited at all by man's standards of what's success and good. Not at all. 
Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like, their, like a flock, as the holy flock, and as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So the men are coming in mass back to Israel. So he chose, in Deuteronomy 7, 7, he says, the Lord says, I chose thee, I will, and you are the least of all people. Well, <clears throat> I want to move on to the 37th chapter. I know I've gone through this too fast. There's too much there. And Kidron very aptly addressed one of the first issues that we see here. 37th chapter begins, says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what all that might have looked like. We're going to see in a little bit that all those bones were, were the house of Israel in the past that had rejected him. I was a young man, probably in my mid to late teens, and we were um, hiking in the high Sierras in California, and we come to on uh, Mount uh, Grizzly Peak, about 13,000 feet, the way I remember it. And on top of that peak, we ran into a snake that had shed its old snake cover. We didn't see the real snake, we just saw what had been shed. And not too far away was bones of an animal, maybe a deer, I, I don't know. Badger, who knows. But here's these bones laying there. And in the winter, they would be frosted. In the summer, they laid in the hot sun. And they were barren and, and bleached looking. And when I see, read the scripture we're about to start, I think about that. God takes his servant and he puts him in this valley. And there's a valley that is just chuck full of bleached, dead bones. You know, there, there isn't anything much deader than bones like that. There is absolutely whatever potential was there in the beginning is gone. It's over. It's finished. It is dead, dead, dead. This is the picture of Israel and it is the picture of a soul without the Lord. Dead as can be. Let's read on. And he caused me passed by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Any sane person to know the answer to that? When you find dried bones, there is no life left. It's over, it's finished, it's done. You would think that Ezekiel would answer, no, it's over, dead. Would to God probably the greatest lesson I learned as I studied for this message this morning is the answer that Ezekiel gave. Oh, Lord God, you know. I want to ask you something. Anything happen in your life that was absolute shattering disappointment, failure, hurt, pain? Just, boy, it was finished. It was just a dry bones deal, that's all. It's over. And maybe it's somebody you loved. And they have gone the wrong way. They're not following the Lord. And you've done everything you can, and the pain in your heart has been real. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I guess I'm pretty super flawed at times. I've got on the phone to heaven, and I've told the Lord what to do about it. Fix it, God. This is how you do it. Pardon me for... You'll understand. Can you think about 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Phil's down there praying, telling God what to do. And the triune God says, hey, Michael, Gabriel, come here. Look at this. There he is again. He thinks he's my counselor. You know what Ezekiel did? Oh, Lord, you know. God, help me to remember those words when I'm up against the wall, when things are wrong, when they are falling apart, when they're dead, when they're disappointing, when the shame comes, when everything comes. Oh, Lord God, you know. What a beautiful statement. I, I hope I can remember that. Lord, help me to remember that. Talk about a humble statement from a servant of God. Well, let's read on. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you, and will bring up flesh among you, and cover you with skin, and your breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And I want to stop there. Do you know what happens when we come completely broken and fallen and we say, Oh Lord God, you know. He might give us something to do. And what did he do? He said, you prophesy those bones. No, those bones are dead. They've been dead. There's nothing there, Lord. I'm sorry, it's over, it's past. That's not what he did. All that we would learn. We don't have to understand. We don't have to know. We don't have to comprehend the power of God. But when the Lord speaks to us, and normally it's through his word. I did as I was commanded. You can make the application. And I did as I was prophesying, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come like four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Remember, there's two parallel messages. One of them he's talking about, he's going to bring the nation of Israel back as a nation. We're seeing that. That's the primary thrust here. What I'm going to do now is make an application. There are a lot of people, in fact, the figures, I just heard uh, the figures around the world are 31% of the world's population claim to be Christian. I don't know. Lord knows. There are people, maybe there's some here this morning. I don't know. There are people... They have heard the word of God since the day that they were under, able to understand their mother reading them a Bible story. They have seen their parents pray. They have seen their grandparents pray. They have seen their parents' friends pray. They have, seen, they have heard of the work of God and the miracles of God. And if you ask them any of the Bible stories, they could rattle them off. They got, they got sinews and they got sin, uh, skin and they got all kinds of flesh on those bones. But they don't have the breath of God. It's possible this morning that there are people within the sound of our voice and they know everything there is to know and they are gifted and they are called but they have never heard the voice of God and they have never been filled with the breath of God. 
Our prayer this morning is this is not just some story about a nation that is wonderful, and it is. But we'll get the message for ourselves. And he said unto me, O son of man, 11th verse, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know in your own land, and ye shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. God, God wants us to have a new heart. And he doesn't want a stony heart. Stubborn, selfish, arrogant, proud. Oh, no, no, but not, not that, Lord. Well, I wonder if the Lord might be speaking to someone like me this morning you got a few pebbles in your heart. Little areas that are not mine. I tell you, the Lord to bless us and he's going to do the impossible. That's what we're reading. We're reading about a nation that existed. It no longer existed. It still existed. And yet it didn't. And now it's come back and it's going to become a great nation. And it's going to repent. And God is going to bless them. He is the God of the impossible. And I'm going to tell you what's impossible this morning. It's for me to fix my heart. I can't do it. God can. That is the only hope we have. And it is a great hope. I don't mean that as a desperate sounding thing. It's wonderful. Are there little pebbles of selfishness, arrogance, stubbornness, or pride? I'm not trying to judge you. This is self-examination. It's been said that the biggest detriment to the growth of Christianity in anywhere in the world is the church. That hurts. That hurts. Let's read on. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, I'm running out of time. You, you, you remember what, what Kidron read this morning? These two sticks were brought together. And what's interesting about those two sticks is one of them was Judah and the other one was Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. Judah was the southern kingdom, two tribes. And in 931 B.C. they fell out. So we are 2,900 years from there right now. And I don't know if this is ready to happen or not. Maybe it is. But God says, I'm going to bring you back together again. I'm not only going to heal you from your idolatry and falling after all those wicked nations, I'm going to heal you from within. Brother and sister, do we get the lesson? I don't know about you. Everybody that cries out to the Lord and claims his name, I am thankful I am. But we got all these denominations and everything's broken down and I don't know how to fix it. I don't. When the Lord says, I will, and he's the God of the impossible, it will be cured. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Come. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful blessing. I don't know. I guess I better just, I want to give Cephas time here. 
But what is a heart of flesh? How do, how do I pass judgment that on myself? And I, <clears throat> I'm simple. There are probably a lot of ways to answer that. I'm just going to give you my simple answer to what, when I look at me, it is this. I'll be a lover of the word. And I mean a passionate lover of the word. I wouldn't want to do anything that would violate God's word. Number two, I would love the Lord. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I don't want to do anything displeases my Lord. And number three, I'll love others. Do we have do we have a fleshly heart that is clean before him or is there just some pebbles in the corner? Well, I need to shut it down. <laughs> um, there's one more thing. I, I, I just I started out earlier and I told the story about that agricultural couple in the and the weed had been stressed and killed cancer and so forth. That's just a natural story. If you'll notice, even to the end of the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, even though God has made the promise, Israel's not there yet. He's drawing them. He's, he's, we're seeing that. Uh, he's coming back in, but the, they're not repenting. In fact, a lot of people that go there say, as much as they love the Jewish people, they're arrogant and proud and stubborn. And can't talk to them. Imagine that. So when does God give them this new heart that he promised? He says he's going to. I, I think he will, don't you? So when's he going to do that? I don't know for sure, but when I read the 38th and 39th chapter of Ezekiel, when Gog and Magog comes down, and Israel is in a real tight they are in trouble. They are ready to be annihilated again. And God steps in. And they finally cry out, my Lord and my God. I'd like to ask you something. And this is where it, I, I don't know fully how to apply it. Do you have any trouble in your life? I mean, bad stuff. Ungodly stuff. Here it comes. I'm a believer. Why is this happening to me? You know how God brings Israel to repentance? He puts them through the fire. And I wonder sometimes when we see the fire come and we see all the things that happen and we pray, oh Lord God, fix this, don't let this happen. Maybe we ought to pray, oh Lord God, you know, you know. He can bring good out of anything, and he will, if we love him. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord God, you know the intent this morning. We just pray that your spirit will not uh, depart from your message in Ezekiel. Wherein in me or anyone, Lord, there is pebbles of just me. That by your power and by your will, Lord, that you would not only give us a new heart, but a complete new heart and completely destroy everything that is wicked. Lord, help us to, uh, to be holy, holy thine. That when we look about us, we see the political and we see the military and we see the worldwide situation and we see the food scarages and we see the pandemics and on and on and on. That our prayer would be, Lord, oh, Lord God, you know. Thank you, Lord, 
Thank you that you are the God of I will do the impossible. In Jesus' great and holy name, amen. We'll have a hymn, and Brother Cephas will come up. Number 473, verses 1 and 4. Number 473, first and last verses. Search me, O God, and Grateful and thankful to stand in front of you this morning to give you a report of uh, uh, the trip we made in Haiti. We <clears throat> we were blessed and highly favored by you to be able to get fifteen thousand five hundred and $78 to go to Haiti to serve the people. We used, there was $3,000 from that $1,500 that goes straight to, for the school and the food and the church, which we have some pictures and videos. I'm praying that you can stay for a couple minutes to watch the videos and the pictures we're going to show you. And we have $12,578 going for the fertilizer program that we have for the far farmers. We were able to buy 200 bags of fertilizers to give to the farmers and the church. And currently, there are still some farmers that will be planted the crop this month. And I have my brothers, Kilo and Program. They are down there, they got the money to go buy fertilizers and give it to them. Um, we thank God for the church. They were very happy, very, very super happy. I don't know what other words I can replace for their happiness when I went down to, to, to see them, and they were encouraged with, the, with the, my presence down there, you can tell. So they, they work very hard, and uh, they see the fertilizer, and they're going to use it for the crop. 
and there was a young man when my brothers, the way he was giving the fertilizer away, he expect that everybody was going to give them three, some of them get three bags for the max, maximum three bags of fertilizer, and some of them will get two, one, and there was a many, he owes several acres of rice field. When my brother brought him to his house, three bags of fertilizer, he was not happy with the three bags. He said, you know that um, three bags is not gonna do nothing. Why did you bring it? He told to my brother Kilo, you want 10 bags of fertilizer. And then Kilo said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He said, well, if you can do it, you can take your three bags back, back to the church and give it to somebody else. His wife stood up, his wife said, well, I think three is better than nothing. I'm gonna take it. So his wife took it and he was still not happy. He told his wife, you're not gonna use it at my farm. But we praying that, and uh, Kilo said, he's, I talked to Kilo about the problem and he's going to take care of it to give him more fertilizers. So we just want 